Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Igberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. And you know what? Remember what I said? It is your show. Paul Fleming, welcome aboard. Breach MCP, all good? All right, I'm going to go ahead and start uh, with um, the analysis that we got from Mr. Rodden. Analysis says, seeing this inflation as an opportunity, corporations are profiting from price hikes. I believe that is the article that I have listed to cover. So I'm not going to read that, um, that part of it. Reveal, top U.S. corporation raising prices on Americans even as profits surge. From, Breed, from by, uh, Michael again. And Dr. Michael Mann, that one we were going to cover in, in, in the preamp, guys. Dr. Michael Mann, director of Earth System Science Center of Pennsylvania State University, says seven minutes into the PBS video. We're taking on the order of 10 meters or over 30 feet of global sea level rise. By the end of the century, Egberto, there's a follow-up video for the after the show about sea level rise and climate gentrification, which I would recommend for after your show. While I expect that by 2050, there will be over a billion climate refugees around the world with nowhere to go. Where I didn't expect what I didn't expect is that such troubles have already began affecting poor people living in coastal communities, and there are several islands in the ocean as well. That, that sea level has risen so, so much that the islands are already abandoned. Already abandoned. Oh. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Okay, let's see. Tom C. says, audio and video looking good now. Thank you, guy. Michael Rodden says, we are on the same page, Egberto, covering the same news. What happened, Michael, is that you are just somebody who's out there doing the real thing. No, but actually, Michael Rodden, you actually catch a lot of stuff sometimes that I, that I miss on these different sites. So keep doing that great work. Peggy Lopez, welcome aboard. All right, guys, I have an interview. Let me go ahead and play the interview. And after the interview, we'll go into talking about all these other issues that Michael brought up and that I that I posted that we're going to talk about. So let's let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get busy with that interview right now. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Ranamic. Berto is your host. Thank you so kindly for being here with us. As we all know, what's going on right now across the world that everybody's talking about is the Ukraine crisis. The Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, a war that very few of us really understand what's going on. Well, luckily today we have somebody from the region now living in the United States, but can help us understand what's going on. Vlad Debrinsky, thank you so kindly for being here on Politics Done Right. I'm glad to be here. Uh, before we get started, Vlad, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us a little bit of context here. Yeah, I was born and raised in Ukraine. Until seven years old, I was there. Then from seven till 10, I lived in Siberia, in Yakutia, which is far east Russia. Then I came back to Ukraine, and then uh, I went to college there. And then uh, I moved to Boston uh, in the early 90s, and I attended Berkeley College of Music. Uh, I became a musician. Then I moved to New York City, and since then I lived in the States. So basically, I'm a 30-year-old citizen of America. But, um, you know, I've been also back to Ukraine since 2014. 
uh, and I opened a music school there called American Music Academy, affiliated with the Berklee College of Music. We did the school there and uh, in Kiev. And, uh, and I was going back and forth. And then from 2016, I was permanently based there because I married a Ukrainian girl and have a little kid. And uh, we opened another school in two, two locations. And just now, uh, last December, we came to uh, to the States sort of for Christmas, and we were going back on February 26 uh, to Kiev to open a new semester. And the 24th of February, as you know, the rockets, the Russian rockets started to, to bombard uh, the whole Ukraine, so we didn't go. So now we're based in Houston. Now, did you are 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 you uh, living pretty much in Ukraine? Is that what you're saying? Is that you uh, you were, you had moved back to Ukraine, and now you've just had to reestablish uh, yourself in the United right. States? Yeah, since 2016, I was permanently based in Ukraine. Yeah, well, tell us a little bit about Ukrainian history. You know, uh, in in America, there's a, we we are generally geographically challenged and politically. Uh, challenge as well. So give us a little bit of history, starting a little bit before you got into the Soviet Union, Soviet Union, and after the Soviet Union dissolved into back where uh, Ukraine regained its independence. Right. Uh, Ukraine is an ancient sovereign state. Uh, The statehood itself was established uh, in the ninth century. Uh, It was called Kiev Rus. Uh, the language is Ukrainian, and the Canes were Ukrainian, but the heritage of the Canes were, were, were the Swedish uh, Vikings. So, and uh, the country was established from Kiev all the way to Crimea, but Crimea didn't, did, uh, was not called Crimea at that time. It was called uh, a, a different name, uh, Tavria. And uh, uh, so since then, uh, Ukraine was a big state. So then... Uh, in the 11th century, uh, Ukraine had become the largest European state on the continent. Uh, and uh, the Europeans know, I, I know the Americans don't know, but the Europeans know that every king of every, uh, of every country had connection to Ukraine. The reason why, because uh, so there was a king, Yaroslav, and he had 11 daughters. And all the daughters were married, the uh, princes and kings in Europe. And because of that, uh, a lot of Ukrainian heritage like for example, Queen Elizabeth, so she's related to to Ukraine. the 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 main Queen Anne, Anna of France, is Ukrainian. She's daughter of a Prince, and so on and so forth. Belgium, you name it. Uh, and then, basically, that was happening until the 12th century. In 12th century, uh, as you know, the Golden Horde, the Mongol Tartars, uh, they went uh, from Mongolia at that time. Mongolia went to invade. Uh, the steppes of Ukraine. So that's eastern part of Ukraine. And uh, they went there and basically Kiev was burned down to the ground. Okay. And Kiev Rus sort of moved to the west. And uh, uh, Lviv was established at that time. And then the city called Ostroch, which is like a spiritual center of Ukraine. Uh, and since then, it just sort of like became uh, the second part of existence of independent state. Now, uh, the eastern part, was basically destroyed by Mongol Tartars, and that's how Crimea got established, right? Uh, and then uh, in, uh, I should say this, so there were at that time uh, two parts of Ukraine, so one part of more European, and another part was uh, under the rule of uh, Mongol Tartars. However, the Mongol Tartars were defeated 
pieces. That's why the Europeans don't speak the Tatar language, right? Uh, by Cossacks. Cossacks were Ukrainian fighters, uh, that sort of uh, kind of fierce Ukrainian fighters. And uh, in 16th century, they, they defeated the Tatars basically to the ground. Uh, so, and since then, Ukraine was independent again. I mean, it always was, was independent, but it wasn't conquered. Uh, but then what happened, uh, the Rech Pospolita, which is the Polish-Lithuanian kingdom, started a war with Ukraine at that time. And uh, by doing so, the Ukrainian forces fought and they didn't have much uh, winning gains there. And uh, what, what happened is that the, uh, the Russian prince at that time uh, from a new uh, town called Moscow, and the country was called Moscovia, and, and the citizens were called Moscovites. Uh, they asked for help, so and they gave help. And since then, sort of speak, uh, uh, Ukraine, the eastern part of Ukraine and Russia uh, were friends, right? Uh, and I should say this: that that uh, parallel to, to Ukrainian history, uh, Russia was established uh, in 14th, 15th century by Ivan the Terrible. You probably heard of him. And uh, he uh, was established in Moscow. And then in 17th century, Peter the Great wanted to create an empire out of Russia uh, as an example of Roman Empire. You know, he was educated and uh, he, he was self-proclaimed emperor. And the idea of Russia, he established the idea of foreign policy of Russia, basically. What that meant is uh, ever... Um, expansionism to the east most of all because he, they wanted to go to, to the west but they didn't have many wars but they didn't win anything but to, to the east but since the heritage of russia is mongol tartars they didn't have any problems uh, going to the east because it was the same people and they went all the way to Ikutia, all the way to alaska uh, now the tsarist russia existed until 1917 as we know it now ukraine the western part of ukraine uh, was conquered by Polish kingdom in uh, in 14th century. The eastern part of Ukraine uh, became part of uh, Russian Empire, and uh, the Russian Empire uh, also had uh, Crimean wars with Turkey, right? And they lost twice Crimea to English. Uh, however, English kind of returned it back to Russia for some reason. That's a good question to English people. So, and then. Uh, uh, after that, Ukraine was independent uh, in 1918 when the revolution uh, started in Russia. In 1918, uh, the Russian government got established and one year it existed as independent Ukraine, full Ukraine from the east to the west uh, for one year. And then in, uh, at the end of 2018, the Bolsheviks came and they were uh, having a larger army and they defeated the Ukrainians again. Right, and then in, in 1924, after the civil war, uh, Lenin uh, basically uh, annexed U Ukraine as part of Soviet Union. Uh, so then Ukraine was sort of like part of Soviet Union all of a sudden. And then in 1991, and by the way, the Western Ukraine is a little bit different history because Western Ukraine was still part of Poland in 1939 when Hitler invaded Poland. Uh, Along with Stalin, they divided uh, part of Poland, and that was part of Ukraine as well. So since 1939, Western Ukraine was part of Soviet Union. So that's why Western Ukraine has a little bit more history of independence than, than the East. Now, uh, and then in 1991, when Soviet Union collapsed, 
uh, all the republics that Soviet Union had, and there were 15 of them, automatically gained independence and, and Ukraine as well. So since, since 1991, Ukraine finally got its independence as it was centuries, centuries ago. So for now, 30 years, for 30 years, it wasn't Yeah, let me ask you a question here. Now, when after... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ukraine left uh, after the Soviet Union dissolved. I imagine that even during the times of the Soviet Union, there was a fairly local federal government with, or not federal, but local state-like government within Ukraine. Is that correct? Yes. Basically, uh, Lenin's idea of Soviet Union was based on the the Federation per se. He he saw how America was established and he wanted to kind of repeat that. And uh, he, he wanted to have different cultures inside of this big country. And uh, from all the way from Baltic Sea, all the way to Alaska, from the North Pole, all the way to the Black Sea, right? So you imagine how big it is. And uh, all the ethnic groups were kind of established in their countries, even though like even like Ukraine, it's not just Ukrainians who live there. There's a lot of Jews there. There's, you know, gypsies. I mean, there's a lot of people there. Uh, it's just he established this kind of uh, idea that these people can uh, basically have republics in a sense, but not, it's a quasi Republic. Basically, the the uh, government of that was elected by Communist Party that was elected from, I mean, not elected, but appointed from the Moscow uh, office. And it was kind of quasi-independent, but yet at the same time, it was a, a huge vertical, a very strong vertical from Moscow. Excellent. Now, what is the issue as far as why did Russia now believe that it should place a whole bunch of guys on your, I mean, military on your border and invade you with an ultimatum. What is the real, real pretext of what Putin is doing in in Ukraine? Oh, Putin is a Bolshevik, KGB guy. So basically, it's the same as Lenin and Stalin and everybody else. He's just, he said it vocally that uh, he wanted to correct mistakes of Lenin and Stalin. For example... Uh, Lenin didn't allow religion, so Putin uses religion as their weapon, right? Then, uh, uh, then, for example, Stalin didn't understand the ethnic groups. He said, I'll understand the ethnic groups. I'll make sure I'll divide it correctly. So that's what he is. And also vocally, he said that he's, uh, the biggest tragedy of his life is collapse of Soviet Union. So he wanted to reestablish that. However, uh, uh, if you go back to Lenin and Stalin, the idea of Bolsheviks were the world revolution. And the world revolution meant that everybody should be communist, basically, in the world. And that's why they reached out all the way to Central America, Cuba, and so on and so forth. Uh, China. And uh, people might not know that China was not communist all the time. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, uh, that's the idea of Putin. He's the same Bolshevik guy. He's bringing all the traditions of Bolsheviks, back to it. So number one for him agenda is to make sure that Ukrainians as a nation doesn't exist, right? Uh, which is a genocide, he said that. Uh, number two, that's a, that's a program minimum, what they say, right? And then the uh, maximum is going east to the territories ex-Soviet Union has. For example, he will say, well, we had 
Berlin to Soviet Union. Well, there, we, there you go. We had obviously Poland and all the Baltic states. We obviously had Romania and everything else also. So that's the program minimum. And then expansion after that. So basically what he's trying to do is going back to where it was in 91, before the collapse, and then going into the new world order, as he said, which is the Russian civilization order. And he calls it the Russian world. And the Russian civilization order means, first of all, uh, it's ruled by ruble, not by dollar, uh, as economical uh, strategy. And number two, it has the idea of uh, mentality as Russian. Basically, only Russian brings the peace. And the West is evil and all this. It all comes from Bolshevik ideology, right? Uh, but the idea is that uh, the problem with Ukraine for him, without Ukraine, he, he cannot expand anywhere. He's just not. He can't. So he needs to have Black Sea. He needs to have right right there inside of Europe. He wants to make sure that he can get his rockets right there where it needs. So Ukraine is very essential for him. And uh, for for years and years, he created propaganda to make sure that uh, Russians, and not just in Russia, and also in the West, people are confused and uh, who Ukrainians are. And he was, basically, Moscow was the PR agency for Ukraine, right? You never heard from Ukraine, Ukrainian news. You heard it from Russia, right? Uh, they tell it what Ukrainians are. So, and that's how they uh, created this monopoly on the news and the structure. And they sit on the UN, the Security Council. They, they sit in the World Bank. They basically sit in every major point they stole everything the soviet union achieved and adopted to russia including the ukrainian nuclear weapons so by doing so they feel very prominent where they are and they can uh, call the shots basically it's sad i mean I, I imagine that you're not too happy that the ukraine the ukrainians gave up their nuclear weapons uh, under the auspices of i guess uh, the united states and great britain who thought that was best to do in, in, in that time. Turns out that the Ukrainians are turning out to be much better in, in, in fighting and supporting what they believe in. It, it makes you wonder why would Russia, whose army performs so badly, who is pretty much nothing more than a gas station, believe that they, have a, they, sh they could possibly hold any intentions for world domination? Your thoughts on that? That's a very good question. You know, I'm still baffling myself. You know, if I look at the you know, I have, a, I have a military degree as well, and uh, I kind of was trained as a military officer, and I'm baffling also how they fight and what they do. It's they don't fight like uh, like an army; they fight like uh, like a Mongol horde. You know, honestly, they just destroy everything on their side. They don't care. They don't have strategy in a sense. You know, uh, I think they uh, counted on the fact that Ukrainians will probably will be weak. Uh, that Ukrainians will not fight back. I think the, uh, the Putin's KGB agents told him the wrong story about Ukraine. And uh, I truly believe that uh, because of corruption. They basically, he was paying the money to those operatives. They're taking the money and buying yachts and did nothing. You know, and then uh, they gave him this information. Oh, Ukraine is all happy about Russia. And they're not. Right. So and now more than ever, the United, not just in Ukraine, all over the world. You know, so uh, I think he miscalculated. I think Putin being a KGB guy and being, uh, uh, you know, the KGBs, uh, they all care about the power and cash. That's all they care about. And uh, he was obsessed with cash and power. 
and uh, he thought he can bribe anyone and they'll be loyal to him because power is important. But apparently, uh, not, that, not just him was obsessed with cash and nobody cared about power. So they just took the cash and that's it. So I think he miscalculated. Uh, but then also, you know, I think uh, a lot of uh, money that Russia gained from selling the energy, which is about, uh, in my calculations, about $115 trillion since 2001 which is a huge amount of money. And uh, that's how Russia became rich, in a sense, right? Uh, uh, I mean, it's not that rich country. The, uh, the economy of Russia is equal to Italy. So it's not that, you know, it's not the major. I can't hear you, sorry, something happened. It, it, is, it is smaller uh, than the state of California itself. It's, it is right. sad, but it's not even as large as the state of California. Now, right. um, I think um, now that the, are the Americans doing enough? Are the, are, is NATO doing enough to help Ukraine right now? No, NATO do, does nothing. Zero, absolutely zero. Uh, in fact, I think NATO is just uh, uh, an organization for uh, paperwork. That's all it is. And maybe taxing, and that's it. You know, if you look at, at countries who are NATO countries right now, they independently help in Ukraine. They are all independently helping. And NATO just doesn't do anything. So NATO, no. for me, even though they were established to defend NATO countries from aggression from Soviet Union, as you remember, right? So uh, Soviet Union now equals Russia, basically. Uh, and uh, I'm not seeing any practical involvement from NATO. Zero. They're not are even helping. Are you satisfied with what the United States is doing? Well, I should say this. I, I remember how Biden said that uh, back in January that uh, if Putin is doing a minor incursion in Ukraine, that's going to be fine. That phrase was kind of a giveaway that he was not preparing for war and he was okay for Putin taking chunks of Ukraine, whatever he wanted. So that's my impression of that. Now, since nobody expected, including Biden, that Ukrainians are going to fight, that Zelensky is not going to flee, that we're going to step in and make sure that our land is nobody taken away, he was surprised. That's what I think. And I think he was in an uncomfortable position to sort of shift his old plans for 2022 in foreign policy. And uh, now he's forced to act upon what's going on, you know, and obviously, as the, as, the leader, as the leader of the free of civilized world, you know, he has to put an example. And uh, he has to. Obviously, a little bit too late, but better later than, than never. So a lot of lives are lost. You know, a lot of children have died, you know, women raped, all of that stuff. You know? And right now, it's still not over yet. And who knows how Russia is going to behave because it you know they, they they can just put a nuclear bomb in ukraine who knows nobody well, i mean do you still have relatives i imagine you do have a lot of relatives that are still in in ukraine are they in kiev mariupol leave where are they well uh my my wife's family are in severodonetsk severodonetsk that's luhansk region that's where heavy fighting is uh her mom escaped uh, her sister we got her out right in the few in the very few first days and we uh uh, put her to Poland, uh, but her grandmother, she's older, and and she is a disabled person, and we tried to get to uh, 
to save her from there, but she said she can't leave because that's her whole life there, and she doesn't want to leave her home, even though there is no home anymore. Her so apartment... no social services either for her, right? Well, the so... it's not like social services. So there are volunteers in Ukraine all over, and the, the volunteers going in and helping people who are stuck there. And uh, the... but it's hard as you can imagine because of the shelling and bombing and all that stuff. Uh, but you know. She she lives with 30 people in the basement of a building. There are some children. And uh, we sent her medicine as well. And then the volunteers do the food. And uh, she's refusing to go. And it's not easy to go from Severodonetsk because of the shelling. Uh, I mean, to leave Severodonetsk. So she's there. Then I have an uncle who was in, in the one of Frankivsk. And he has a big family. You know, he's a, uh, he's a big daddy. <laughs> he has seven children. And... Uh, uh, and they all uh, girls and one boy, and you know, and uh, when the the first rocket landed in uh, in one of Frankie's, the ballistic rocket, his wife couldn't speak for three days. She was so shell shocked, and uh, they basically took the car and went all the way to Poland. From Poland, they couldn't find rent, so they went to Croatia. So now they're in Croatia. Uh, but you know, there's tons of refugees. Uh, as far as my family, that's all I have. Uh, but I have friends, you know, I have school friends. I have friends I grew up with. And your uh, business is, is bombed, I understand, as well? Or Yes. Uh, well, we just opened, we just got a new rent building with investors because my uh, school was uh, growing and growing. The demand is there, you know. Um, everybody wants to learn jazz and blues, you know, so that's kind of a, a cool thing. And then... Um, and we opened a, a new building. We were about to start the new semester. I was I was about to fly on the twenty sixth to uh, with, with my wife and the, and the child, uh, but it was bombed. So the first rockets that that happened the very first day, there was uh, a, every ballistic rocket hit uh, the uh, airports, and then some civilians. Uh, uh, Area. So my, my school was near that area where the rocket is. So it was bombed. So Shrapnel so, got to it. Yeah. So um, we'll see. You know, I still hope to, to go back there one day, but not now, obviously. I am pretty sure you will. Um, let me just say that I, I think it is interesting that um, uh, what, is, what is happening now, where, where we're heading. So my, my next question is, do you think that absent... Putin going either nuclear or with, um, let's say, chemical weapons, that you can actually win this thing in the, in the near term? Well, first of all, he already used chemical weapons three times. Three. Okay. Already... I, I As... heard reports, but I don't know if it was ever confirmed. Yes, yes. And he uses all the time the, the phosphor bombs. Phosphor bombs also chemical weapons, right? So he's used that. Uh, as far as the nuclear, you know, the hinting, you know, recently I just looked at the uh, at the news and Russian news. I looked at the Russian news because I want to know what they think. And uh, the uh, the Ministry of, uh, how do you call it? The Ministry of uh, Extraordinary Events, that's their ministry. They put uh, uh, an, an information for the public and saying, uh, we expect that NATO will, retaliate a nuclear bomb that's what they said a nuclear bomb on the 24th of april so you should be prepared da, 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 da. then they took this off so they're playing with that idea 
So I think they, they're playing with that idea very much because Putin is a KGB guy. As a KGB guy, he wants to make sure that the Russian public is happy about the new victory over fascism and Nazi, as they say, right? And that's on 9th of May. So he needs to kind of repeat himself as a big, uh, you know, winner of that. And he needs to win something. So far, he didn't win anything. Well, unfortunately, given the prevailing wind to be, depending on where he uses a bomb in, in, in Ukraine, the, the blowover is going to go right over his own people in Russia. So that would be an interesting thing for him to do. He already did this. For example, he, in Severodonetsk, he, he blew up a chemical factory, a huge one chemical uh, the, uh, factory. You probably saw the, the pictures, huge kind of red clouds into the sky. Uh, all the wind went to, straight to Russia. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. The prevailing winds is to Russia, and, and he hurts his own people. Not a very smart man, just a, just a, what, whatever. Anyhow, <clears throat> I understand that you are trying to raise monies and you're having events to support the people in Ukraine. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, about uh, several days after the invasion, uh, my wife and I we thought, how are we going to fight? You know, first reaction was, hey, you know what? I'll go, I'll go fight. I'm a man. You know, I'll, I'll go fight. But then we have a little kid, so and then we talked about it, and you know I I, I can't do it, and uh, we decided to help however we want. And then by chance we got uh, an email from a girl who asked me for help. I'm like, well, so what do you want? And she's like, well, I have uh, no money for diapers for my for my kid. And that started kind of an idea, the whole thing. I'm like, well, let's 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 focus on that. And uh, and then at first, Lviv was a huge amount of uh, refugees, and they didn't know where to go. So and we started talking to them, and then we we realized it's a it's a big problem because first of all, uh, nobody was prepared for this. As I, as I said, N- number two, the Red Cross didn't help inside of Ukraine; uh, they just helped outside. And even though uh, Red Cross, you have to file. A, an application, and then maybe in two weeks they'll give you some food and maybe temporary housing. Temporary housing means kind of a gym and school somewhere. So it's not really housing; it's uh, just a shelter. And then, uh, and then when we talk to these women, you know, they're very shy. And you know, imagine you're living your life. You go to work. You you have your car, apartment, house, whatever it is, and then all of a sudden you have nothing. You know, and then you're running for life, and you have no idea what's next. Shameful. Uh, Right. So we decided, you know, let's let's uh, let's make a fund. And then a friend of mine who lives in Louisiana, he said, well, there is a site called GoFundMe. And I went to them and I sent him a message. They we, we talk. I said, well, I, I, that's what I want to do, uh, because they vet in a lot of uh, scammers. Apparently, Go, GoFundMe was scammed a year or two years ago. I don't know. And uh, so they were trying to interview me. So we talked and then they said, OK. And uh, the idea of the fund is very unique because uh, we're sending cash. That's all we do. We're not sending clothes or food or anything like that. For, for, like, first of all, NGOs, that's all they do. Every NGO, they send clothes, food, and give shelter. That's all they do. Uh, but they don't do the needs would need it. For example, a woman say, well, uh, like she's in Poland, like, like yesterday. This is a, a fresh one. She's in Poland. She went there on the March 10th. So that's already like a month, right? And she's living in a hostel with uh, the same women, with kids, in one room, six women, and I don't know how many kids because she had two. So in one room in hostel. 
And that's all they have. They, uh, they don't have the documents yet because it's a huge line in Poland to get any documents. And then uh, she applied for Red Cross. She didn't hear back from them yet. They need money. You're, you're absolutely right. What they need is money. So how, how are they going to survive? So, and, uh, and we basically, whatever, we get the money, we send it. And uh, they, they buy baby stuff. Basically, like, I have a baby. I, I know how hard it is, you know. So, and it's every day. So, uh, you know, so that's what we do. The same thing in Ukraine, for example, some, some women uh, never left, right? And uh, they stay where they stay. And they, you know, uh, so there was one woman also, she had about seven children, adopted two and five her own with her husband. But her husband is a, a disabled person. She lost her job, obviously. And then she's in, in the suburb of Kiev near Bucha, but not in Bucha, near, near, near Bucha. And there was nowhere she can get away because it was all surrounded by, by Russian soldiers. So we thought, how are we going to help? And there was a pharmacy there in that village and then plus uh, a, a grocery store. And what, so what we did, we found out the ability to send uh, through uh, a um, moneygram directly to her card because apparently her bank upset the moneygram straight to, to her card. And that way it was the only way to to make sure that she eats with kids you know and there's tons of these things tons of it we helped uh, i don't know i have like 30 something uh, families and not just with cash we also help with uh, volunteers for example some uh woman like she wrote to me from from her son and uh, and her son is occupied as you know and uh she said uh, that she has no money, all of that stuff, and obviously the volunteers cannot give her because it's occupied. So I called my my, my volunteers' friends, and uh, and the Protestants. So they they kind of snuck in to her son and gave her the packages of food. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting, kind of operation we did. So um, there's a lot of that. The 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 most. Is there a way to provide you guys uh, some some help with your, what you do, what you're doing? I imagine uh, one of the one of the producers told me that uh, you were doing a fundraiser or something like that for uh, for Kiev. We are. I'm going to Los Angeles tomorrow, uh, and we're going to do with uh, a bunch of other artists, uh, including uh, daughter of Tony Bennett and Tony Bennett, and then Mira Homik. She is a famous uh, violinist. Uh, and I'm a blues guitarist, jazz and blues guitarist. So, so we're going to do a fundraising kind of concert, a private concert, um, to raise the money and uh, to to the fund and send it over. I have about, I would say, about 15 approved families for help right now. What, why I'm saying approved because we interview each of the uh, families right. because some, you know, um, I can help. I, there's always fraud. There's always fraud. So I mean, yeah, you, you make sure. So, Right, right. Well, let, let me tell you, we're we're close on time now, Vlad. Why don't you give us a closing a, a, a closing message that you'd like to leave with our audience? Well, uh, you have to realize, guys, that there is no, it shouldn't be any confusion anymore. This is a sovereign country with independent people got attacked by uh, an aggression of Russia. Nobody attacked Russia. Nobody, no one attacked Russia. Nobody attacked Russian people in Ukraine. Imagine Kiev is a Russian speaking, Kharkiv is a Russian speaking, Kherson is a Russian speaking, Bucha is Russian speaking. So everything, you know, so everything you, you hear as a confusion, confusion is made by KGB propaganda in order to win your minds, to not give help, and that Russia will do its genocide. So you have to realize that there is no neutrality anymore. 
either with a civilized world or you're not civilized. It's just what it is. And you have to be part of the civilized, no matter what. Vlad Debrinsky, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics and Right, and I wish you well. Thank you. Thank you. Berto Willis, as host of Politics Done Right, a progressive radio media show on Pacifica Network's KPFT 90.1 FM Houston that engages all ideologies, I found that our political angst isn't mostly ideological. There is a well-designed effort by many in power to control us. If we are at each other's throats, we are less likely to demand our economic and local wishes. In that light, I wrote three books. I wrote the first one titled, As I See It, Class Warfare, The Only Resort to Right-Wing Doom to Describe the Entire Economy in a Manner We Can All Understand. It highlights why it was designed to pill for most as it empowers a few, the chosen. The second book, titled, It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors, Take It to the Next Level. After understanding how the system pilfers, it is incumbent that we can speak to our peers to empower a change. The third book, How to Make America Utopia, Take Away the Economy from Those Who Rigged It, gives us a place to land. After learning about our economy that is dysfunctional for most and learning how to engage the other side, we point out what would make an economy that works for all. Each book stands on its own, but together they provide the full picture. Please consider getting one or more. You will undoubtedly learn, be entertained, and help us continue the mission with our blogs, articles, videos, and books. I'm Egberto Willis as host of Politics. Absolutely so, folks. And you can get the books at politicsdoneright.com. Maybe if I can get it here, I'll be able to put it in here, politicsdoneright.com. Slash book. Where is it, guys? There we go. Politicsandright.com. Well, I can't. For some reason, I can't get the link in. But please go ahead and consider getting the books at politicsandright.com slash books. Politicsandright.com slash books. Maybe it'll work now. And we'll see if it works now. Paste. There you go. Politicsandright.com slash books. I just put it into the feed there. You can also support us by uh, clicking that join button on YouTube. Please consider clicking that join button button on YouTube, and uh, let's see, if you'll go ahead and uh, let's see, if I, if you're not on YouTube, you can also help us by go. Ah, I did the book again, you can also do it by going to politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube, and I am getting that as we speak, politicsandright.com slash paste YouTube. But the best way to support us is via PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. I'm doing this the old-fashioned way since the keyboard doesn't want to behave. Politicsandright.com. You know what? It's one of these triple uh, keyboards that can control three computers at the same time. Actually, supposedly four computers at the same time. All right. Let's see what else we have here today. Now we want to start to discuss. Let's see if the keyboard yeah, it came back. All right. What we want to discuss today. Ah, the all-encompassing way to support us politicsdoneright.com slash support, politicsdoneright.com slash support, and please visit our store, politicsdoneright.com slash store, politicsdoneright.com slash store. I want to put something on the screen for you. It's an article that I, that I wanted to discuss today, and it was also the article that Brother Rudnin seems like good minds think alike. He brought to the fold earlier at the start of the program. And I think it is important, and I'm going to tell you why I think it is important, folks. Because as it turns out right now, the plutocracy, the mainstream media, would have you believe that this inflation stuff is inevitable. 
But it's not only that it's inevitable, they are about to crash the economy to mitigate the inflation. And I want you guys to understand something. First of all, I have the article on the screen. I also have the article in a blog. You can read that article on your own. But the gist of the article is that corporations are taking advantage of the pandemic, the supply chain problem, and all these issues. What I want you to do is read that article after the show, but I want to talk to you directly as far as how things work and what you can do, or what we must, not what you can do, what we must do to mitigate this. The first thing, because for all of you that are here right now, the first thing that I got to tell you is you cannot in the next cycle vote for any Republican candidate because they are all neoliberal or to the right of neoliberalism. We'll go into that in a little bit. Secondly, in your primaries, if you have a choice between a progressive Democrat and a neoliberal Democrat, the progressive Democrat, let's give an example. In Pennsylvania, Fetterman is running against, uh, I don't remember the, the name of the centrist guy. Fetterman is ahead because he has policies that people want. Fetterman must be the candidate in uh, Pennsylvania. And Fetterman must be the senator out of Pennsylvania in 2022. That I, I want to get those out of the way for all those people that are listening right now. So here, the, the, the marching orders that you have to give not only to yourself, but to all the people you encounter. And we're going to go through the mechanics as to why I'm, I'm giving those, those marching orders. And in Texas, it must be Beto O'Rourke. In Texas, it must be Mike Collier as lieutenant governor. He will be the most powerful person in Texas. And by the way, he is my neighbor. Uh, but he will be the most powerful person. He's a down-to-earth, regular guy, former oil guy but it's a good guy. He's not very progressive like I am, but he's a good, progressive, leaning person. So uh, replacing Dan Patrick should be Mike Collier, and replacing the crook that we have for governor should be our uh, good old uh, Beto O'Rourke. Now, why am I telling you these guys that I can go to California and start naming people from state to state to state to state? What's going on here? First and foremost, we need progressive for this reason. The reason they are about to put our economy into a recession, the Federal, Federal uh, Reserve is about to do it. Why? Because we have reached the stage where people are saying, I will not work for peanuts. I will not work for peanuts, so wages are going to keep going up. As corporations can't find people to work, they will have to pay them more, and then that will create less profit for the corporations or larger inflation. What have the corporations chosen, chosen so far? High inflation. Without the commensurate wage increase. They've increased wages, but not commensurate with the wage inflation. If you read the article, you see that net profits are up 49% while wages are up just 1.6%, okay? Let, let's qualify all of this. So what are they intending to do? 
they want to mitigate inflation. But who is causing inflation? Is inflation being caused by a shortage? No. Is inflation being caused because we don't have enough oil? No. Is inflation being, is it, are we getting inflation because it is costing you more to grow a bushel of corn? Not quite. It's a bit more, but not quite. Okay? We have inflation because the businesses have an excuse to say, I am raising prices because. Remember, if people don't want to pay a certain price, the price cannot go up. But what we've done with the stimulus program and what we've done by demanding higher wages, it means that we have in everybody's pockets more money. There are two things that can be done with that money. If the corporations decided to be humane, not, not following the, 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 the actual capitalist mantra, which, as Dr. Dr. Richard Wolf explained, is whatever the market will bear. And remember, that what, how much can you pay for something in a market? Your, the, the amount of wages you make, the amount of savings you have, plus the amount of credit you have. And after that is gone, the prices will have to collapse because, again, there's no money chasing after goods. But corporations have the choice. They have the choice of raising prices or not. Again, and not only do they have the choice of raising prices or not, because remember, with people having more money, it gives them the wherewithal to put more money into savings, to put more money into areas that build their own wealth for the next time around. But what corporations are telling you today is that we are not going to afford you the ability to be independent and become more wealthy because the extra cash that you have gotten from the stimulus, the extra cash that you have gotten from wage increases, we're going to take it back from you with something called inflation. And if then that inflation becomes a cascading effect, where we now are going to see people say, well, look, I'm not making enough, so I need more wages. If the cascading effect starts to occur, that would mean people would go back for more wages, right? That's what it would mean. But they're not going to do that. They prefer to crash the economy. Let's explain. Wow, I just turned back to the page, and the last message I have is one from Eric Hayes. Amazing. Stimulus not needed if you have higher wages and great economic opportunities, right as it floods the economy. You see, that is slave thinking. Here's what he said, because I, that fits into exactly what I'm saying. What Eric Hayes just said fits into exactly what I'm saying. Listen to what he says. Stimulus is not needed if you have higher wages and great economic opportunity, right, as it floods the economy with too much money. Wrong. If I have stimulus, I'm putting money into the economy. If I am working, I'm, if I get a higher wage, I'm putting more money into the economy. A dollar doesn't know from whence it comes. What the stimulus also does is it forces private sector to increase wages because people no longer have to chase after depressed wages, after slave labor. And it worked. The stimulus worked. The stimulus took a whole lot of people out of poverty and it allowed people to hand back until 
employers went ahead and had to pay more. It was an automatic wage increase without having to have in the law the minimum wage is going to be $15 and indexed to inflation. So it worked. But the corporatocracy does not have a backstop. And that's the failure of capitalism, as Dr. Richard uh, Wolf would tell you. The price of a product is whatever the market will bear. Okay? So therefore, if that if that if if, if that part if there's not first of all, too much money otherwise, why is Fed pulling back? They're pulling back because they are for, they they want to crash the economy. They need to crash the economy to force to stop people from getting higher wages, which then causes these thugs to put out more cash. I mean, to, to increase inflation. It is simple. It's arithmetic. It's mathematics. And it is it is it is is a it is a slave mentality to give the corporations a break. It's uh, Munchen syndrome. What is it? Uh, 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 syndrome. Uh, uh, you know that syndrome where you you go to the person. Uh, uh, come on, help me out, guys. ABQ, thanks for being here. That syndrome that you have, that you give people, you make no sense. Why is government crashing the? It's not the government crashing the economy. The government is making sure that wages, the wage increases, stop so that inflation. Because remember, if people have more money, the thugs in suits. Capitalists are going to take it away from you in the form of what? Inflation. In other words, a loaf of bread doesn't cost any more to make. But if you have more money, I can increase the price and I'm going to still sell it. So why not increase the price if I can still sell it? Study economics under a capitalist system and you'll understand what I'm talking about. So folks, I, I, I need to repeat myself here before we go. Because it's imperative, it is important. You cannot... If you care about your personal economy, if you care about your kids, if you care about your older folk going uh, th that's going to be needing care anytime soon, if you care about humanity, and I'm not saying this lightly, I would not say this if I did not mean it and if I couldn't prove it. A, a Republican vote this year is a negative vote in two regards. Anti-democratic vote, number one, and number two, anti-economic vote for the average person. Punto y final. Uh, if, you, if you vote Republican and you are in the middle class, you are destroying your personal economy, your own economic system, your own uh, financial well-being. If you vote Republican, you are also risking a permanent destruction of our current form of democracy. And if you vote neoliberal, meaning some Democrats as well, what you will be doing is supporting economic policies like we have today, where the corporations are taking back every Stockholm Syndrome. Thank you, Rose. Every corporation is saying, I am there to take your money because you have it. I won't allow you the choice of throwing it into the bank. Because I will, you have more money, I'll increase the price of the bread. You have more money, I'll increase the price of steaks. You have more money, I'll increase the price of all these things. Now, people can say, well, just don't buy. 
one of the reasons I'm for nationalizing certain industries is because that is how we solve this problem. We don't buy, but there are certain things we have to buy. Gasoline, electricity, and these other things. Nationalize those particular industries that we must have. And then for all the other things, clothing and all that kind of stuff that we can do without, that can be free enterprise and into its own system. Because right now, folks, we are at the we are at the behest of the corporate class and we pay for it. And you don't have to listen to what I say. You just have to look at the numbers. You just have to look at where our money goes and who gets all the money that we spend. Even in the pandemic, the billionaires got wealthier as people. Well, the stimulus helped a lot of poor people. But of course, Joe Manchin, the neoliberal with others decided to do what? To sink the rest of us. Uh, time is up on me. I got another meeting right now at five o'clock, so I really have to go early today. But what I'd like to say is thank you so kindly for being a part of the show today. Um, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow talking more truth. And I hope you listen. And I, I hope you ask questions. I hope you do. Because I'm ready to answer. Whenever I tell you, do not vote Republican or neoliberal for your own existence, your good existence, that is. Please know that I'm not saying this just for the sake of saying it. My name is Egberto Willies. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Oh. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.